0: All right. Let's 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 start with um, a serious question here. What you've won, Gene, because I know you won the national title, you won the world championships. And as a pro, uh, to be quite honest, both our careers seem the same. As <clears throat> you pointed out, we made the top 10 of the Olympia. We were closer to 10th than what we were first. Um, and we seem to have a lot of similarities, actually. So I'm interested to know, uh, what you won. Yeah,
1: you know, it's kind of tricky with my national uh, Swiss championship title, which I mean, I was for years and years and years, the best bodybuilder in Switzerland, but I never, uh, went to the Swiss championships. Uh, often we had the qualification for the Miss universe and the Swiss championship was not on the same day. So I went to the Swiss championship once. Uh but failed the drug test. It's a sad story. Okay. Okay. So uh I you know I, I was really prepared to pass the drug test. And uh six months before I, I took very, very, very little steroid at this time. You know, this was in my early twenties. You know, we talk about like 250 milligrams of testosterone and uh, three hundred milligram of Deca maybe. So uh, I knew I have to be very careful with certain things. They're uh, longer in the system. So I took no DECA for about a year, which I was told. So I I tested positive on uh, DECA, which was very, very strange to me. Uh, What happened is uh, one of the testosterone I took from Eastern Germany was fake. And uh, that made me test positive. So although I was by far the best athlete in in, in Switzerland, I I was... uh, The title was annulled. Then uh, the next two years, when I went to the next 2000, I went to the Miss Universe. It was not, uh, the qualification was not together with the Swiss Championships. So I never went back to that. So sadly, I'm not even Swiss champion. It's very, very sad. But I did win the Miss Universe in 94.
0: So you you simply um, did the qualifications for the Universe. Yeah. But you had failed the drug test. As well, I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding. No, no, out. I only
1: failed the drop test once at the Swiss Championships.
0: Right. And
1: then never went back to the Swiss Championships. Right. Never really yeah. cared about it. And okay. the right. next uh, couple of times I went to the Miss Universe, it was uh, a separate date in a disco. Uh, we had to go <laughs> qualify, and I won both shows there and uh, qualified for the Swiss national te- team in '93 and '94. '93, I lost against Gunter Schlierkampf. And uh, in 94, I won the heavyweight and the overall at the Mr. Universe. What qualified me directly for the Olympia. So pretty much my uh, fifth show uh, was the Olympia.
0: Okay, that is interesting. And um, tell us about your family or family business, if you wish to.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I'm from the... Very south of Switzerland, we have a, a, a state system like the United States. Our state is one of the three states which uh, is in the Alps. You know, the Alps only touch uh, Switzerland in the south. So uh, I'm from one of the mountain states, which was very isolated till about late '90s, where we finally got a tunnel. You know, connecting us with the outside world. Okay. Okay. It's a very interesting part of Switzerland. We were not even uh, part of Switzerland until the late 1900s. We were owned by the Catholic Church, first with, uh, by uh, Napoleon. And Napoleon wanted no part of us because we never paid taxes. Uh, he sent the army to our uh, mountain area. We killed all the tax collectors from France. Uh, they killed half of our men in our town. So he then gave us to a gift to the Catholic Church. So we were kind of a a country or or a land between two countries, between Italy and Switzerland. And then finally joined, like in the late uh, 1800s, we finally joined Switzerland. So, uh, you know, we feel very special. And uh, we also have a totally different language than uh, anybody else in Switzerland. You know, uh, we are between France and Switzerland. So we use a lot of French words. Uh, We have a very kind of dialect so if we talk normal nobody in switzerland understands us okay. so uh, yeah that's that's that so my family very middle class we had uh, pretty much three big factories or three big companies ruling that uh, valley you either worked for uh, the swiss train company you worked for the postal office or you worked for a company called Lonza, which uh, made aluminum for Audi, Volkswagen, and Porsche. Those are the three options you pretty much had. I think everyone even had the same salary, you know, as I, as I grew up. And uh, yeah, the only kind of manageable thing or kind of about the area is we have some famous ski resorts there. So uh, there's certain towns which uh, up to 200,000 people in the winter live there. Little towns of 5,000. So we had kind of that connection to the outside world, but that was pretty much it. Uh, My father was an electrician for the Swiss train company. My mother was a housewife and uh, was a waitress on weddings. Nothing worth mentioning, really. Do you have Uh, brothers or sisters? I have a sister, uh, which is about my age. She's two or three years younger. Uh, Looks way better and younger than me. I have no idea why. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how I grew well, up. You and look
0: like you've kept you've you, you know you've, kept, you've aged well. I'm not even sure how old you are, but I was very surprised when I start seeing you. I started seeing you on Facebook, and I, th- I thought this this guy hasn't aged. I, I saw you standing there with a woman, and I thought he was competing years ago. He actually looks younger now than when he was competing. So what is your yeah. age?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm 55. Really? Uh, very yeah,
0: I 55. I-
1: I do quite a few things to kind of slow down the aging. I'm a, okay. We can go into that later. I'm a, okay. a, obsessed with peptides, anti-aging things, uh, you know. So, yeah. And uh, one thing I think is also good, uh, what helps me is I had to retire, as we all know, very early. So uh, back in those days when I was on those hard diets, I, like you say, I looked older than I do now. But, you know, it's a, it's a rough lifestyle, especially when you uh, compete twice a year uh you're pretty much on diets all the time. you uh train like an animal. you take stuff which is not on the healthy side. Let's put it this way so i I was really really trying to live a healthy lifestyle and do things very much in moderation. I don't even work out a lot. I work out three times a week forty five minutes I write now now okay uh i, I work my, I use my bike a lot. I just try to uh, stay healthy on the inside. And uh, I can tell, you know, sometimes when I'm on a vacation or so, I work out a little bit more. But then right away, it starts tweaking here or there. I really try to figure out for myself. We will find out if it's the right way. How do I turn into a Bill Pearl? You know, how, how can I be healthy and mm. be over 90? I, I really want to be an old man sitting on my porch and taking care of my animals. You know, I, I never had this attitude. You know, you you heard it before. I, I would uh, give away five, ten years for an Olympic title, anything like that. I never felt it. I never no, felt I, that way.
0: No, I get, I get that, and um, I, I, I agree with you with
1: what you're saying, yeah. and what you're doing. It's, it's, it's So you've, that's you've, why I was even careful during my career. Although uh, you were even more careful, as I found out, as we talked last time. But, but uh, I, I really felt like I was extremely cautious, uh, not just that I was kind of more cautious than others. I was also convinced it's the right way to go. But then again, retiring early, uh, definitely helped. Uh, age, since I retired- What age
0: was that? What age was your retirement?
1: Uh, so I was serious, really serious, till 99. I was 32 years old. Then I was hanging out another two or three years, uh, kind of as a part-time bodybuilder. I was still under a leader contract. So with 35, I was completely done.
0: Okay. So you actually had a weirder contract?
1: I had a weirder contract for uh, close to 10 years.
0: Now, tell me, how how did that work, if you don't mind me asking? I've, you know, what if you can divulge what you got paid, how it all worked, how it came about, because it's very interesting because he treats some people a certain way and then other people seem like they've been treated totally different. Some people th- think the world of him, some people
1: have the... Yeah, opposite. I, I'm on the side, I think the world of him. So I can only guess why, I mean, uh, why he treated me so well, but he had an unbelievable belief in me that I can be that next or no Schwarzenegger. Uh, so also maybe what helped a little bit, before Joe Weider already had great contracts, with, uh, I was with a company, Ultimate Nutrition. Uh, Here, I think they went bankrupt, but there was a great company at the time. So first I had contracts with Ultimate Nutrition Europe, which uh, was a kind of two-way contract. I got paid to be one of the athletes, but I also sold a lot of supplements. So uh, in one year, my partners and I, we sold Ultimate Nutrition products in Switzerland for like $8 billion. Wow! So uh, I made really, really good money with Ultimate Nutrition. Then when I met Weeder the first time, I got the fax. Uh, that was uh, before the Arnold's Classic in ninety. No, I got the fax after the Miss Universe in ninety four, and uh, he offered me uh, twenty four thousand uh, dollar for a year, and much? I wait twenty four thousand dollar a year for the year, which in Switzerland is pretty much uh, less than homeless people get. You know, it's a very, very uh, (laughs) expensive country. And I did so well with Ultimate Nutrition. They also treated me very well. And I said pretty much, no, thank you. This is not uh, anything uh, I can survive on in Switzerland. So I didn't hear from him for a while. Then in uh, early 96, I went to the Arnold Classic and didn't place well, but I looked sensational. You know, I, I didn't have an idea really of how to dial in for a show. I just was the biggest monster on stage. They're not only to be ninth, but, you know, in my defense, the competitor field was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, there was John Ray placing fifth, Andy Munzer placing seventh, uh, you know, Win- yeah, Vince Taylor, uh, uh, Flex Wheeler, Kevin Lebroni, Paul Dillette, Porter Cortrell, I think, who placed second uh, at the night of champions, uh, beat me by a hair. Mm. I beat him, I think, a week after. So it was it was hard. And, you know, when you come in too big, uh, you don't know how to dial in against those kind of uh, uh, pros. It's hard. But I left the mark. Joey Weider saw me backstage, invited me uh, to come to his office. So I flew over to California and he yeah. offered me something in the... I, I don't know the details, 50,000 maybe, something like that. Uh, I said, no, thank you. I, I, I have absolutely no interest. At that point, I was with Ultimate Nutrition uh, uh, worldwide. And they took care of me. I was the only athlete, I think, possible that they had at the time. Everywhere I went for them, I was picked up with a limo. I made over $100,000 of their contract. And uh, I had the supplement pieces on the side, so I did very, very, very well. Uh, Then I went to the Olympia, and it was a very strange Olympia in 96. Mm. The '96 Olympia was not drug tested for uh, steroids, but it was drug tested for diuretics. They also first announced that they may do a blood test. So all of us were in sheer panic, you know, so nobody knew what's going to happen. I did it once before in Los Angeles, do you remember? 89, 90, around that time?
0: No, 90, I think Nineteen.
1: Yeah, and other than I think Labrada and Mike Christian, nobody really looked good that show compared to before. Even Lee Haney was quite a, big, a bit uh, on the light, lighter side than usual.
0: I think Sean Ray looked good, Mike Christian, uh, Lee Labrada... And Francis yeah. Ben Fata all looked really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I know I know Lee Haney was quite a bit downsized he, he that year. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But then they dropped the drug test, they brought it back in ninety-six. And I do remember talking to the guys, everybody was in panic, especially this announcement of a possible blood test. Uh, at the end, yeah, only Nasser failed the drug test. I went into the show really like absolutely zero diuretics. Uh, there was also other things like uh drugs like cocaine and that kind of stuff was on the list. But uh, you could tell uh, people had issues. They were a little bit uh, either lighter or, or not as hard, yeah. with the exception of Dorian was very hard, but he was clearly downsized. Uh, Sean well, Ray was Dorian as well. Dorian, Dorian was downsized quite a bit in '96. Yeah, absolutely. '96. Yeah, '95. I think was his best shape, not his biggest, but his best shape. '96 was downsized. That Nasser looked out of this freaking world.
0: Uh, can we just backtrack there? You think Dorian looked his best in '95? That's when he already had one or two torn muscles. I thought he's. It's like, that, it, it,
1: you have you have to look. I can you can look at it from two sides. Size-wise, no torn muscles, 93 was clear the best. But when it comes to sharpness, hardness, uh, still full, 95 was his best. But then when you consider the torn muscle, yeah, 93 was his best, Uh, absolutely. But he was so sharp in 95. I mean, 95, he had, you know, 94, he almost lost. I mean, not by the judges, but by the opinion of a lot of people who were there. yeah, yes. Uh, you know, He tore the muscle, I think, before the 94 contest yes. and had a tough time drying up for that show. Yeah. But in 95, he was dry as he gets, because I was qualified for the 95 Olympia in Atlanta, but didn't feel like doing it. Uh, what was a mistake? I felt like I'm not big enough. I went to see the Olympia, saw it from close. Uh, uh, close up and Dorian was really unbelievable, you know. So, uh, 96, he was downsized from that. It was not quite as dry, uh, uh, then at the 95 Olympia. And Nasser looked, this is the best Nasser I've ever seen. But Nasser took the diuretics, you know. He, uh, he's like, I don't care because you know there was an agreement between the pro league and us athletes that everything will stay secret. You know, if you don't pass the test, we will take the money away from you, but you keep your placing. Nobody will find out. You will just not get the money. So Nasser, smart as he was, he said, I don't care about the money. I want to win the Mr. Olympia. So we all went to the athletes meeting and Wayne D'Emilia stood up and said, well, actually, we can't quite do that the way we planned. You know, uh, it has to go public and you will use, not use just lose your money, you will use your ranking as well. Nasser jumped off his seat and was absolutely outraged. And Wayne said, why do you have to worry? You know, are you did you take the critics? You know, that's, that's not the point. The point is with an agreement. So. On stage, I believe that was the reason why they put uh, Sean Ray as a buffer between Dorian and Nasser, because nobody was certain if Dorian will pass the test. Everybody was certain that Nasser will not pass the test. So they put him kind of. They didn't want the first two be disqualified, and uh, so they put uh, uh, Ray in between. The Ray was very good, but not as good as '94, for example. So that's kind of my take on that. Then Nasser went on to the European tour, and that was some of the best bodybuilding in history of bodybuilding. What he delivered to the 96 tour, uh, especially at the end in Russia, in uh, Germany, I mean, it was just out of this world. Mm-hmm. 97, when he came back, where everybody said he was his best, I disagree. He was already uh, a little bit watery in the shoulders from side injections. He was uh, a little bit softer in the back. He was very, very big. Uh, The only reason he came maybe closer to Dorian was Dorian was clearly a mess, you know, in 97, you know. So, uh, yeah, the 96. So I placed eight in 96. I was, since I was so far too big at the Arnold's, I decided to come in a little bit too small. But to come back to your question, so I got this offer after the Arnold's Classic, about $50,000. I had no interest in doing so. But the 96, before the 96 Olympia, I went to his office again and he al- always gave out one year contracts. I think with the exception of Lou igno at that time, everybody had, even Dorian had a one year contract. So he gave me the same contract Dorian had, uh, something like 80000 $86,000 a year plus uh, uh, doubling the price money. And... And, you know, this was then gotten close to what I had from Ultimate Nutrition. With Ultimate Nutrition, I had to do quite a bit of work uh, selling products and stuff. So, and I started to slowly be afraid that this may affect my career if I don't join. You know, I, I can say one way or another. So I did take the four-year contract before the Olympia in '96. Uh, and then uh, I never had a problem to have that contract renewed pretty much till up to two thousand and two. Even when I wasn't successful anymore after ninety nine, It's just the contract was uh, renewed and renewed every year. So I was with him for eight nine years.
0: Very good. And yeah. did you, could you st- did you still stay with Ultimate Nutrition or you could only do one or the other?
1: No, I could oh. only do one or the other. Okay. You yeah. L- later on, they started to separate like magazine contracts from uh, supplement contracts. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think it was in the Jay Cutler kind of, era when this started, but, uh, for us, we had to represent Weedr products so, like eight different products here. He had, he had, uh, eight different product lines. So and we were not allowed eight, to
0: eight different brothers.
1: No, no product lines, uh, supplement oh, lines. Oh,
0: oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. We, we all know you only had one brother, or, uh, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I, I did want to ask you. Um, <clears throat> sorry for for interrupting. Um, who inspired you to start? There, there must yeah. have been somebody, a figure, someone who. Oh, absolutely. Inspire.
1: Absolutely, I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was uh, nine, ten years old. And I went to the public pool, our lifeguard, it was a very large public pool, uh, 2,000 people a day visiting that pool. Uh, our lifeguard, his name was uh, Albrecht Roger, Roger Albrecht. He was middleweight Swiss champion and one of the most talented bodybuilders I've ever seen. Uh, unfortunately, mentally a little bit of a mess. I hope he forgives me for that. We're still friends today. Uh, he was unbelievable. I mean, his forearms, his neck, you know, his arms. And this is a guy also who maybe took, you know, for three weeks a year or five weeks a year, a half a D-ball d- a day, you know. They, they had no idea what they were doing. They were just great, great, naturally gifted athletes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I saw the guy walking around, I, I knew I this is what I want to be. The problem was I was... Very talented in many sports. You know, I played hockey. Uh, hockey on the Wednesdays and Saturdays. I played soccer uh, four times a week. Had a game on the weekend. Uh, I wasn't a great skier, but I skied Wednesday during the day, Saturday and Sunday when, whenever I, I didn't have a a, a, a hockey or a, or a soccer game. So I had a lot of options. Okay. And. With nine, there's just no way you uh, have. I I didn't have access to any gym, although I tried at home as much as I could with chin-ups, push-ups, all of that stuff. But it didn't really do much. So uh, it took another five years till I was finally allowed to uh, uh, join the local gym. The first workout was done by the light heavyweight Swiss champion Christoph Oberholzer. Uh, Not as Crazy as uh, Roger, but the guy had humongous arms, and uh, he showed me all the exercises. And I knew that day, I looked at the pictures on the wall. And it was Lee Haney, Tom Platz. He said, "I, I want to be as good as those people." And I would never went back to a soccer practice. I never went back to a hockey practice again. Really, I was focusing 100% on bodybuilding from day one on.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. So, please tell us back then how you trained. I want to know what sort of loads you used, rep range, uh, tempo, anything different that you did that we don't hear about perhaps.
1: Everybody trained the same way in my Valley. So we did the pyramid system, four exercises, four sets, every muscle the same. Biceps could have been possibly been three uh, exercises, four sets with slow progressive overload, every set a little bit more weight. And even everybody, I think, did the same exercises. It was uh, chest, bench press, flies, incline, bench press, flies, four sets each. So uh, I started early on doing changes to that. Our valley was very interesting. We had a lot of Swiss champions in that little valley. And if you would, uh, there was an assembly of great body parts in my valley, like you would not have believed. You know, we had the guy with the huge chest, Peels. I mean, world-class chest, you know, like in the Franco-Colombo kind of mold kind of chest. We had the guy with the huge arms. We had image Rene with uh, legs close to Tom Platt's, but we had no complete bodybuilders. Okay. So. I started to design my program, you know, they all had the little quirks, you know, but everyone drank kind of the same way, but they all had the little ideas. Uh, I remember the guy with the big legs. So on Sunday, when the gym was closed, he was loading up the hacksmith, you know, uh, worked his way up, uh, warm up sets to uh, only like machine fully loaded up that you can only do two or three repetitions. Then he went outside, he took his bike, and our gym was right at the the entrance of a mountain pass. He was sprinting up that mountain on the the bike as far as he could, rolled back to the gym, went underneath the hacksmith, and did a set like Dorian Yates style. You know, goal to muscle failure. And that was it. And the legs grew and grew and grew. So I started to, I tried that a few times. It's absolutely murderous. So I started to early in feel like maybe less, I can do less with the kind of intensity we train. So the first thing I did was uh, cutting my workouts in half. You know, instead of uh, four sets per exercise, two sets per exercise. And then later on, I even went to one set per exercise. But I was always a little bit unsure I grew and I grew, but nobody else really trained like that. I didn't hear from Dorian Yates and his system. There was a, you know, we started reading about Mike Manser, but yeah. nobody really knew what the truth is. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, but I did start reducing about two years into the workout, three years into my training. I started to uh, reduce sets to about half that. And later on, I went even further. You know, I did a little bit more exercises. Like for back, seven exercises for chest, four for legs, four, but only one set. But you know, it looked like always two or three warm up sets and then one set to muscle fa- fa- failure. So I, I just didn't see this whole. Man, I did four sets for bench press, for example, early in in the pyramid system. I was always kind of holding back, you know, and yeah. then the last yeah. set was really the all out yeah. set. Yeah. So. In that sense, I, I realized pretty really quickly I, I don't need all those kind of uh, approach sets. So and it worked out very, very well till uh, late 98, but we're jumping in about a couple of years now. We'll get to that later, why I had to go back to a more volume kind of training. Today, if I could go back in time, you know, we, we can't. Uh, I don't know if I would have probably train a little less intense and keep that early pyramid system with the more sets in place, I think it would be probably a little bit healthier. Because, you know, I mean, I did things like 340 kilo at the also seventh exercise for deadlifts. You know, and it's just not necessary to do this crazy stuff there. You know, it would have been better probably do four sets with half the weight more concentrated, better negatives or slower negatives. But, uh, you know, I did to the best of my uh, knowledge at the time, I really believed it. And he worked out quite great for a long time, but for quite a bit.
0: What was the tempo of these exercises?
1: Uh, you know, I, I read the studies of uh, Arthur Jones early in yep. with the three or four second negative, like slightly more explosive positive. Uh, the, uh, he always described it that if you do a set of 12 reps, for the first 10 reps, you should be able, if somebody would ask you to, to stop the weight at any point. Yes, you know, This is the kind of control you should have. So I stick with that uh, from the moment on I read it. I was always doing a very concentrated uh, three or four second uh, negative motion and a little bit slightly more explosive positive motion. Pretty much kept that through uh, my whole career, even today when I train.
0: Okay, that is interesting. Um, can you tell us about the squatting accident?
1: well, we're jumping many years now, but yeah, uh, squatting accident. So it only happened because I wasn't focusing on bodybuilding anymore. So, you know, uh, I, I was still having that reader contract. I didn't compete really in three years and reader started to get a little, not that he got impatient, but you know, in 2001 to, uh, 2001, I used excuses not to compete. I had no interest in bodybuilding anymore. Uh, I kept the contract because nobody asked me to, uh, they just kept continuing, you know, renewing the contract. and It helped me to get my green card. So it would have been a little bit more difficult, but I I started my business here, my personal training business. I had five trainers working for me at some times, and uh, I was not focusing on bodybuilding. So once a year, I went to the photo shoot. And uh, the first time, I I think it was also the time when Joe Weider lost a little bit control of his company. Uh, He's gotten older. Uh, Lawyers started to talk into his business. Uh, A lot of voices, I think, in the company were against us contracts for athletes why the hell do we have to give those people that money because Joey's attitude was look if uh, I give uh, those people money they, they can somewhat focus on the sport like other athletes do but uh, did you really need to do that uh, at that time probably not but he just kept it and the, 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 the pressure on him he told me a couple of times that People are pressuring him that you know I don't deliver on stage anymore. To take the contract away from me, so uh, every time in this photo shoots showed up or, or came up, I started to kind of focus a little bit more and then go to the photo shoots and still looked really good. But in uh, two thousand and three or two thousand and two, uh, it, it was I wasn't great. I wasn't great anymore, and I. I did this uh, video leg video a week before, and I realized when I did 700 pounds squats or so the week before, it's unusually heavy, you know. But I did it, and then I went to the photo shoot, and then wanted to do squats. So I did the same amount of the same weight for squats, and they as I was about to pack in and leave, Chris Lomb asked me uh, if I could do it again. They didn't like the lighting. Uh, They could quickly switch the lighting to the other side, do it again. And four or five minutes passed. It was quite chilly in the gym. Uh, It was in Fullerton. I think the whole back side was open. And instead of taking the weights off, uh, starting over again, It's like, let's get just through this quickly. Let's do two reps just to get the shot in. I took the weight out and I never experienced anything like it. You know, the the amount of weight felt like I had a mountain on my shoulders. It was crushing me just standing there. Absolutely like crushing me, like almost something unreal, uh, 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 like an evil force, like crazy. And as I went down, everything started to slow down and, and, and start to kind of around me. Everything was like in slow motion around me, like a really other body experience almost. As I was in a 90 degree uh, uh, angle or spot to come back up, my left tore, a uh, left quad above the knee tore completely. And I was like really like watching it almost. All my weight came uh, to the right side, and the lecture snapped in a weird way, and he uh, was not a clean tear there. It was just like a really crazy. The doctor described it later on, like you know, it was not a tear he's ever seen before. It was like a bomb exploded in my knee, Uh the right side, the right side, they could never fix. You know, they tried as good as they could, and uh, that was pretty much uh, it. And I ended up on my back, and. I was extremely happy that, you know, at that moment, I was just laying there. as I really didn't want to do it anymore. I, I really had, I, so I was you had just laying of, there.
0: You, you had a sense of calmness because it was over?
1: Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, just to do this two or three month cycles before those photo shoots, uh, it was, became like a torture for me, you know? I, I, I remember I, I started to feel like I have more side effects and effects from that stuff. Uh, blue, When I mean after after lad workouts, uh, my back used to be like blue, you know, from small muscle tears all over the place, something I never had before. I, I was not even that strong anymore. Suddenly I was always a very strong bodybuilder. And, uh, yeah, this is clearly focusing on the things. And that's why this happened, you know. So it's not if I would have focused on bodybuilding, I I I can I can do uh dirty uh, reps with seven hundred pound of squats, you know, or I could, or twenty at least, you know. I was very, very strong in the squats. But when you don't focus, that's what happens. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Gene, Jean, how do you train now?
1: Oh, oh god, this is like so three times a week. I, I always move the glutes. I always do some kind of stuff for the glutes, like a bikini girl, you know, I do some other time machine, hip thrust, or some kind of pushback machine, every workout. And then um, kind of depending on what's free, it's as pathetic as that as it is. Free. So let me do some back, you know, three or four sets of pull-downs, wide grip, small grip, a little bit of a, a rowing, maybe dumbbell rowing if I'm in a very good mood. And then a little bit of chest. So it's pretty much a half body every time, but lots of talking, lots of fun, you know. Uh, do, you, do
0: you use um, <clears throat> testosterone replacement therapy?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, hundred milligram a week. Okay. okay. Yeah, hundred milligram a week. And I only stop um, if I see in the blood results that the hemoglobin is a little high, you know, the red blood cells. Yeah, yeah. I never have an issue with any organs or anything like that. But I did over the years a couple of times. My hemoglobin was too high. So I stopped for a little bit and go to the oncology center and draw blood for a few weeks. Still, this is back down in the like 15, uh, 16 range. But other than that, I never stop. You know, I take my testosterone, I take uh, regularly ACG with it. And uh, then, like I told you before, a uh, bunch of peptides. So I have a pretty really extensive peptide program I run pretty much all year.
0: Okay, that's, that's interesting. Very interesting. And um, tell us about your diet, what you were eating like when you were competing and what you do now.
1: So it was nothing special when I was competing. You know, as a typical, uh, you know, rice chicken. I was very big on fats. Early in, I couldn't keep up. I was very big into measuring my blood sugar. You know, I I always felt like uh, if I have the perfect blood sugar numbers, like early morning, two hours after meals, uh, that my body is absorbing the food properly. But when you're in the 300-pound range, you have to eat a lot of food. And uh, if my blood sugar is still up, I don't know where, uh, an hour before I have to eat again, so two hours after a meal... So then I knew I better supplement with fat, yeah. you know, it worked better for me. So, uh, I was never really crazy about protein. I ate 350 grams, maybe a, a day. You know, no, I was a very, very big guy, uh, occasionally 400, but 350. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, the big mistake I made was I did not quite understand the difference between carbohydrate sources. Know, that certain carbohydrate sources are not good for your gut. Uh, you know, they will create visceral fat. Yeah. I was not understanding the difference between uh, pasta, potatoes, rice. So I was a big, big pasta eater. I mean, just big. It could have been three times a day, yeah. and um, I, I was a little bit more into nutrient timing than I am today. Where I ate more on certain meals. You know, I used insulin. Uh, Around the workouts, so I did eat a little bit more in the couple of post-workout meals. Today, you know, with my athletes, I rather just supply uh, you know the same amount of carbs during the day. I don't really do a lot of nutrient timing. Maybe a little bit around the workout uh, with. powdered carbohydrates, but back then I was a little bit bigger into uh, the nutrient timing, but I ate a little bit more for breakfast, a little bit more in the two meals after workout when I used the insulin and a little bit less carbs on the other uh, meals. On those meals with the higher carbs, I used less fat, but uh, all the other meals I used lower carbs, uh, moderate protein and more fats. But there was no no really secret, you know, uh, how I ate. I ate pretty clean all year back then. I did cardio all year. I did sprints all year, even back then. The same I do still today. I was very big into uh, the theory that...
0: You do sprints?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I was uh, very big in the theory that you should be able to reach your maximum heart rate, depending on your age.
0: Okay. Okay. And even with your knees and and what you've had done, you you have no problem sprinting?
1: Uh, Sprinting, it was sometimes on the bike
0: or on a stepper.
1: Okay. On a stepper, sprinting, I mean more anything you need to do to, to reach your maximum heart rate. I yeah. could not sprint uh, uh, okay. on a treadmill or so. Now no so I that's, could. That's
0: what you do now on a bike?
1: Yes, I take the I have a bike and then um, when I drive to the gym or so, I do about six to eight sprints up to maximum heart rate. So, you know, I... I noticed that one of my early mentors explained to me is like, it's like a car, your body, if you have a car who can theoretically reach 7,000, 8,000 RPMs, but it's always locked up at 5,000, so you can never get the maximum out of a car. So you need to be able that you're not just like a a meathead, how he called it, that you also can really max out your engine. This will help you tremendously in your training, uh, tremendously how you recover between sets, and you've seen it. I've seen it with workout partners back then where they just, uh, in the middle of the workout, the, the, the endurance starts to go down tremendously because they just can't recover you know, between sets. So I never had a problem with that, and I still take care of that today. And I, I have a... Yeah.
0: When you were competing, um, did you do carb loading? Because even this thing that you're talking about with the fats, I look... Myself, I look... Uh, at fats and carbohydrates as energy sources. And sometimes, you know, carbing up, if you don't include fats, they actually make no difference. Sometimes I've seen people carb up around the clock and they're three kilos lighter. And I believe it's because there were no fats involved.
1: Yeah, I, I used, so, especially, specifically talking about this different carb ups I used. You know, one of the carb ups I used on my days off so on my days off I started to do a hypersaturation days and I'm gonna tell you also now for everyone who's listening even when I was 300 plus pounds I never had any fat on me you know when you see uh, pictures of me uh, which people sometimes think oh my god he was fat here when you really look at it there's no real fat on the lower back or anything like that it's just I stored more water you know so uh
0: now that you've brought that up um finished that but I wanted to ask you about that time with Albert Busek when you guest posed and you weren't in your best shape he yeah. made he made a comment and I I That's... thought that was very strange because usually a promoter will try and just you know promote positive things but um...
1: let's let's also say it was a very strange time in German bodybuilding you know uh Andy Münzer died, uh, there was a very negative light on bodybuilding. So everybody with large size was considered being the next victim. So uh, when Marcus Ruhl showed up, Marcus Ruhl did not win the overall of the German championship. Okay. And Marcus looked unbelievable. So he was pretty much a joke. So they gave it to a little middleweight guy nobody ever heard of and nobody would ever know the name if I mentioned it. So there was at that time I was invited to Gaspos in, uh, in Germany and I was another 30, 40 pounds heavier at that point, was very early in Marcus' career, than Marcus. So Albert was in that sense already not very happy when I stepped on stage. So, uh, yeah, he went overboard to call me the, you know, the, the death of bodybuilding, but uh, it was a, a very strange time in German bodybuilding and big sized guys. But again, you know, the crowd was absolutely, uh, they, they loved it, at least two thirds of them. Yeah, And I, th- there are videos around of that gas posing. And... If I would have taken a day of diuretics, it would have even looked pretty good. I was just very, very watery, but I never, ever, ever carried really much fat. I had 11% fat was the highest that I, I had in off-season. So I did carb up days on my days off from training, where I used uh, longer-acting insulin in a little bit higher dose and just ate way more carbs, you know, eight times a day, uh, cut that fat in half on the, uh, in half on those days. And then the carb up before the shows, I did never really understand how that works. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot of, I think I carved up too much before shows. Yeah. And yeah. I did, uh, you know, I, I, I did not understand that you still need to drink, you know. So uh, a lot of us stopped drinking. But I always think when you're a 280 pound bodybuilder going on stage, it affects you different than uh, a, a guy at two hundred pounds when you start stop the drinking. You know, it's just it just flattened me out completely. And what is very strange when you're this big and you stop drinking and you pose to your mirror in the hotel room, it looks still very very good. But then you start to lose that fullness, and uh, you you were you know six foot tall. Uh, I remember. Backstage, often when I saw uh, Chris Cormier or or Nasser, I took their fat, you know, they were full, but not as lean as me. I I was so lean when I went on stage 96 Olympia, but then they kept their fullness and I was flattening out from uh, reducing the water so much. Then uh, once I stepped on stage, he was just flat. You know? So I looked way, way better after the depletion phase on Wednesday than, yes. uh, than after the loading phase. But these all things, with a little bit of professional help, it could have been arranged to get this right, but I was just too proud. And I, I was kind of like, well, next year I'll be so much bigger. And uh, you know, I, I was always thinking in that terms, never like, why the hell? Why did this not work out exactly? You know. So I was like, oh, look, I'm already 7th. You know, the guys ahead of me are all five years old. The next year, I'll come with 10 pounds more. It's just total strange thinking instead of learning really how to dial in, how to pose right. You know, I never put any effort into posing. I mean, let me take this back. There's two aspects of posing the way I saw it. I could pose or hold my stomach in, stand in line lineup for an hour. Because I practiced that so much. And I posed so much during the preparation, so I could pose without breathing hard for, 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 for 30 minutes. But I made so many mistakes when I practiced that it even intensified when I went on stage. So I never filmed my posing. You know, I, I never had anybody around me who said, hey, uh, your presentation looks like shit. And in a little bit, my defense, when you look at the scorecard, it didn't matter you know you you were on the fifth place uh, uh in the round one two you were pretty much on fifth place in the posing round, so yeah, you know, that didn't help me to improve my posing but when I see a video now of my posing there's not one turn done right there's not one pose really done right you know uh, very sad in in some way so I pay a lot of attention today to my athletes and they get that that part right you know
0: gene what um you kind of, like, gave up uh, even when you had the weirder contract. So you were just doing photo shoots. I wasn't aware that he was actually uh, that kind. I, I heard some stories where, you know, he made life a little bit hard for people. But it sounds like you you did quite well. Um, what what was missing? Why did you not continue? I mean, you had the weirder contract. You know, it seems like you had a good run. What, what in you yeah. made... Um, so not give up, but not get not uh,
1: 100% of what you could have. Yeah. So in 99, I went to the Olympia in very bad shape. My physique started changing. I think from the constant uh, bad food choices, overeating a little bit, uh, I started to build up quite a, bunch, uh, a bit of uh, visceral fat in my stomach area. So I went to the Olympia. And a few weeks before the Olympia, I did. You I I was more f- focused on my move to the United States. And seven eight weeks before the Olympia, uh, I, I realized I am not in shape, you know, and I'm so focusing on finding a house, moving. So I tried to kind of get out of it. And I talked well. As it gets closer, I'm gonna just make up something and uh, still a little bit on diet, but not really. Nasser told me three weeks before Olympia There's a video we did together. You can see it on YouTube. What the fuck? You know, he what, said, what is going on? You know, you're way too big. You know, uh, a nice way of putting it. So I called the WIDER office and said, look, it's too much stress. It's the move and everything. I got uh, right away a letter from the WIDER from the, from the lawyers. If you don't compete, your contract is gone. I just started to apply for the green card. So I did one of my biggest mistakes in my career. I went on stage in other shape. I had no interest of competing. I even showed the lack of interest up on stage. So then uh, Ronnie Coleman won his second title. My physique changed not to the better, and I lost that belief that I can really come back and beat Ronnie Coleman. I I just... Then I started to uh, build my personal training business, enjoying America, made so much money. You know, I mean, it was like a dream here uh, where I live. And once I replaced that money I I, I made with bodybuilding easily and and I got the contact money on top of it, I just lost interest in uh, injecting stuff and uh, eating it for seven, eight, and nine places. I just lost my faith. You need to really want it. You need to really, really want it. And I was. Uh, tell people about this one experience when I was young uh, I went to a gym outside Zurich we had to drive about half an hour to get there it's all the athletes trained there a friend a mechanic picked me up like at 7 p.m. sometimes the guy was a few minutes late I was like the caged animal at the side of the road like cursing I, I, I was like I could not wait to get to the gym you know. It was so much fun and, and every every workout was like growing. When it starts to like, oh, God, oh God I got to go to the gym, you know, oh, God, you know. And then when you start to, uh, uh, you know, when I, when I was young taking steroids and then you see anybody next to you dying, for me, it was like the guy's weak. He, he should never have been in bodybuilding, huh? you know. What is wrong with this guy? It never happened to me. I'm an animal, you know. Yeah. But then when you start to realize You know, I'm not going to be Mr. Olympia. Uh, I I don't want to train like that anymore. Uh, It's going to be very hard to keep it together. But then they keep paying you and the green card starts dragging out and dragging out. You know, something is supposed to be six months to a year is now two years in. It's a total separate story what happened there. You know, it went as far that I even became a, a very short time illegal. Uh, I just lost interest, you know, I, I knew I can't win. Something I never felt early in, you know, early in I didn't win. There was like, okay, I'm just like six months away from being the best in the world. That was gone after 99.
0: Gene, um, what next? What will you be aiming for next in your life? Have you got any plans
1: or? You mean now or after yeah, I retired?
0: Yeah, no, no, now.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, a, I'm creating something very unique right now. I'm a creating uh one of the best fitness app that's ever been uh, i'll come back on your show once it's ready it should okay. be ready in 3 months uh, it's a little bit too early it's not that it's not out there but it's going to be way better than anything is out there it helps trainers to organize their training uh, to organize their clients it helps uh, trainers to pretty much train hundreds of people at the same time without betraying anybody uh it's very unique it's it's very complex Um, that's what I'm working on right now and uh, I have a very good business I have some great athletes I still uh, although I stopped for a while I still back to one-on-one training three times a week because I enjoy it so much and uh, yeah I can't wait for this to be out and for years I I worked with animals Uh, I worked in the shelter for years I hope to be soon working at the zoo Um, yeah Yeah, it's kind of enjoying life
0: that is interesting, Jean. Um, is there anybody you would like to thank? Your family, a, a gym, a coach, uh, just some final words. Any anybody that comes to mind?
1: Well, I, I don't have anybody to thank right now. My my, my mother is dead. You know, I would like to thank her. Uh, the girlfriend who supported me back in my days hates my guts. So there's nobody. does nothing to thank there. Really, uh, people in my life now. There's they had nothing to do with that part of my life, but uh, I, I want to tell to young people, you know, I mean, who, who are who are in this, you know, I train often people which are just bodybuilding makes them uh, in a way miserable, you know, they, they're just. Uh, I was a little bit there in certain years, ninety nine, two thousand. And it was always kind of in shock when I saw Ronnie and how much he enjoyed doing what he's doing. Uh, if you can't find a way to be happy and, and be a bodybuilder at the same time. And if you can't find a way to look like that without taking an immense amount of steroids, you're in the wrong sport. You, you have to find a way to enjoy that. I was once sitting in a bar with Roland Sherlock. We were both as miserable as it gets. And uh, we, we were discussing that would you be rather on this diet here on the European tour or in prison, so we both know the answer to it. That's not the way to do it. You know, if you want to be in this, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You uh, you have to find a way to be happy and you have to find a way to get a body like that with the minimum amount of uh, of gear, or it will not work.
0: Jane, this is... Um... I know it doesn't seem very long, but we've done an hour, and you've said some very Perfect. interesting things. And also, I stopped you in the middle of some very interesting stories. So I definitely need you back on this podcast. Definitely, I need to hear more from you because you're one of the most interesting people that I've come across. Um, Thank you. Besides having a few similarities, you've you know you're the exact opposite of. Uh, I would have thought you're quite smart, um, you know, you've been quite measured throughout your whole career from what I can see. So, no wonder, so. Such, no wonder you're such an excellent coach and, you know, doing really well with it. So whatever it is that you're going to do, um, I, I think you do things very well, very well thought out. And, um, you know, you, you continue to inspire me. Uh, Thank you, I, and I, I, I love you, to come
1: back at any time.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've watched you throughout your career, and, um, you know, I was always hoping that you would take the next big step, but after talking to you and finding out your background and how you think, everything you've said really resonates, and, um, you know, you, you've just come across like a really good human being. Thank you. Yeah, Thank and, you. And, and uh, look, it was my pleasure. It was obviously too short, this interview. Um, you, you've got some exciting things happening, and you, you know you've got some changes coming up. So there's uh, definitely more room for us to talk and find out. I, I think people will find you very interesting. And I'm not even sure if today's uh, bodybuilders have this sort of personality where you know that they they could actually discuss everything the way you have. You've you've opened up about everything. You've hidden nothing. You've I didn't even have to ask you. You've just opened right up. And I think people will love that.
1: Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Actually I'm you. heading to hockey I'm heading to a hockey game right now.
0: Okay. Well enjoy yeah. yourself and uh, let's right. stay in touch.